This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer.
drone? No. Did that happen? Yeah. Yeah, but that was a David Allen Coe time. Correct. So I'm probably right on that. We actually went through Waylon Jennings last week. Too. Okay. Well, crossover this Waylon time. Jennings. No, Waylon, Waylon Jennings. Jennings. Right. Uh, he was known as Haas. Uh, he was the narrator in Dukes of Hazard with Rick Dolan. They were way, later in life, his friends called him way more. People in the band and the crew called him Pete. He was written up as the Telecaster Cowboy because he was a Telecaster guitar in the band. Okay. And uh, Pop died in old number one in Japanese Zoo. He got that at the premiere because of his work with Michael Lyons and Dave Mustaine on that tour. Speaking of family, um, my nephew's name is Watasha. Waylon. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Watasha. We'll call him Watasha from now on, or Chief. Wayway, or Hoss, or Waybay. Man, I miss my my roots from that. Nice. Yeah. Call Waybay. We're gonna talk about you know. Hey, and this is the first country, old country song that we or uh, subject we've had in uh, a while. Yeah. No, Merle Haggard was the last show we talked about. That was a while ago. So this is good. This yeah, is fun. I wanted to bring it back good. around yep. for you. I know you like the country cowboy stories in the West and all that. So I like the vibe. Yeah. And I kind of gave you a porn hippie stripper girl, and uh, now we're going to the old Mexican. It's really not that much. It's <laughs> same words. Yeah. Drugs, alcohol, imprisonment. That's our show, dude. That's, That's our what show. we talk about. <laughs> and, June and hard seltzer. Hard seltzer. June 15th, 1937. Born in Wayland, Arnold Jennings, in Littlefield, Texas, USA. What do you mean, Wayland? We'll get there. He was born on the J.W. Bittner Farm in Ohio, Kansas. Like I said, that's about 25 miles northwest of Lubbock, Texas. That's where he was born, where he grew up. He's a Texan. He's a Texan. Now we can talk about Waylon Jennings. Um, he's got parents. His dad, William Albert Jennings, was a farmer. They descended from Irish and Black-Dutch. What do you mean, Black Dutch? Well, so Black Dutch is a term in, uh, adopted in the U.S. in the 1800s for families of mixed-race Ancestries, especially Native Americans. So it sounds like both his parents were part Native American. Part Native American. Yeah, he's like three-quarters Native American. Oh, oh, I did not know that. Me neither. Cool. All right. And the name you were talking about, Wayland, uh, was on his birth certificate. They almost called him Galen, which would be best for Jennings because he's the son of friends are asking Lorraine, they're like, uh, Lorraine, L-O-R-E-N-E. Uh, they're asking her uh, if he was named after the local college, Wayland Baptist College, or University. Wayland. Wayland Baptist University. And uh, Lorraine was like, no, he's not named after the local college. So she changed the spelling to what we all know as Wayland, but he was a Catholic. He's a hillbilly. So uh, technically, so to speak. Way what uh, way land? L A N D. L A N D. Way land. Way land. Okay. Okay. Nineteen forty-five. Age eight. Wayland's mom starts teaching him guitar. Both of his parents were really accomplished, like sort of home musicians, home musicians and stuff like that. They would actually play the dances and parties around town. His mom didn't like it sometimes because she had the old Harmonica holder? 
if you did, it would be what? <laughs> Why would I buy a per I already have a perfectly good harmonica. Well, two dollars? Why would I want to spend two dollars on a harmonica? <laughs> Waylon's dad uh, was such a big fan how of big music. Of a fan, how, how big of a fan of music was he, Brian? He's a windmill! That's how big a fan he was. Uh, his dad would uh, pull his truck up to the house and run booster cables to the radio antenna so they could pull in the radio dial. On, on to his... Onto the house's radio, I imagine. Radio pull his truck up to the house. That's what it said. So he pulled his truck up to the side of the house. He'd run booster cables, I guess, from the house to the truck? That's what I'm thinking. So he could listen to the Grand Old Opry on the truck radio. I don't know if he had a truck radio in 1935. Why would he? Because you wouldn't have that in 1935. I don't know. Maybe he didn't have electricity. I guess I never thought of it as a kid. Yeah, he did grow up in a dirt poor house. You're right. So there you go. So they... Something. Something happened where he had to use the vehicle. They rigged it up to where they could pull in the Grand Old Opry. <laughs> they were all happy clappers. And, and, and folks, for anybody keeping score, do we all remember the name of the auditorium the Grand Old Opry is recorded in? Okay. Because I know the story. There you go. Yeah. Ryan got it. Ooh. I often forget. Rhyming. Rhyming with Hyman. Rhyming with Hyman. Uh, well, around 10 years old, Waylon started performing at family gatherings. Took these parents to the local youth center. At 10? Yep. Okay. Finally, he's out there playing at like the JC's or the Lions Club. It's like JC's and stuff like that. He went on to play local talent shows. He won a big talent show, uh, Channel 13, in Lubbock, Texas, one time. And it was the A Joke. Not the Hendrix version. Not the Hendrix version? Was it with the same song, though? No, it was different. Okay. Basically, uh, he's jamming out at 10 years old, rocking out. Age 12, 1949, Waylon gets a job as part-time DJ at KDOW, the local radio station in Littlefield. How old was he? 12. Wow. He had a 30-minute show. He would sing and play some songs, and then, uh, you know, a week or two from that, he'd be switching records. So it sounds like, I, I mean, even that 12 is young. Yes. It sounds like back then he had some talent, and people were trying to help him capitalize. Yes, everybody was being pretty encouraging to young Waylon. And he had a mom and dad at the house. He wasn't, I mean, he wasn't... So far, we haven't had hobos. No, 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 no. If, Waylon, if, there's not, if, if there's not one, I want make, make me one. No, Waylon does. He's, you know, we'll get there, but he's part of the outlaw country movement, so mm -hmm. things happen. Listen, but he was part of the outlaw. Oh, I'll talk about the highwaymen, kicking stuff, buddy. I'm coming into all things you know. I've even left some pockets there because I hope you fill in the blanks. So, uh, Waylon gets some friends together. He forms the Texas Longhorns. It's a mix of country and western and bluegrass. You got wow. all three covered. Uh, they were often unwelcome guests. Why? People like the purity of the song. They didn't like it too crossover and too western. They just wanted what they're used to. They just wanted what they're used to. Give me what I know. What I don't, I'm, I'm with it. I used to be with it, and then it changed. Now what's it? It's strange and curious. I like it. Age 16, 1953, Waylon drops out of high school in 10th grade. superintendent convinces Wayland to drop out. One hell of a superintendent. Yeah, Superintendo Chalmers is like, look, uh, <laughs> you're not really cut out for schooling, so you might as well just leave now. You're really bringing the whole entire school down. You're, you're hurting our average kids. <laughs> Killing our funding. The M-steps are, are, are getting crushed by you. Killing our funding numbers. Wayland takes some odd jobs. Uh, he works for his dad, but uh, he's playing music for his dad and his 
1954, Waylon and the Longhorns recorded Demo, and it had uh, the song Stranger in My Home, and It'll Be a New Day. And he and his band would be playing at the Bank of America in Boston, and that's where they played the song. And then they're going to go at it. They would perform on air. You mean like live? Live, right. They had a radio station? Right, right. Okay. Uh, They got a demo record, and that's how it all came about. He meets Lubbock, Texas native Buddy Holly. Buddy Holly or Buddy Holly? Buddy yeah. Holly, yep, there you go. So 1956, Waylon moves to Lubbock, Texas. And uh, as well as playing on the air, Waylon gets a job as a DJ in Lubbock. He's got the four piano section in the band. That's that's good shit. That's prime time, yeah. right? Waylon is really good at producing jingles for advertising. Earl Green, the lady that he yeah. Yeah, it's actually good stuff. Making jingles even today, if they use your song as a jingle or a that's where a lot of people get confused. Oh, that's why I hear a lot of songs I like, right? Oh like, all God. of a sudden, you're listening. I, I don't know. I'm watching the Hulu commercials, and it's like, I do my hair tight, check my nails. I'm like, what is this song? I've never heard this on the radio. And just some, you know, it's like the Migos. Yeah, no, if you, if, but I'm like, that's catchy. That's good. They're using it for advertising. I'm like, I have Hulu, but if I didn't, this would catch my attention. If you write a jingle as for a jingle, say, or they use your music as a, as a corporate-sponsored promotion, promotion that's where a ton of money is made yeah man like you'll get an old navy commercial or an apple commercial or whatever just because because the song is popular and you think a lot of these times you got you got older artists that may had a cool song from the 60s or 70s right and apple or nike uses your song yep and boom reinvigorates it so not only are you getting paid for that music you're getting sort of a, a boost in the downloads Pe- on, yep, on people will on go whatever. Yeah. get your albums and stuff again. Yep. That's yeah, music rights is a whole other business that has nothing to do with music. Or you just write a little jingle. Jingles are good because if you write that jingle every time they use it, you're getting paid. I'll be there for you. When it ain't time, to that song didn't have a second verse, and then all of a sudden it's popular. They're like, oh shit, what do we do? And so the Back. radio DJs just cut it together and like figure it out for them. They're like. Back in studio, boys. <laughs> time. Hey, uh, I know we kicked you out for heroin, but uh, come on back. And like, who, who was that? Did they were they rentals? Were they replacements? Concessions? No, it wasn't concessions. It was. No, I'm right. I'm sure it's Hilton. I don't know. All right. If you know, write us here at Crime and Music. <laughs> yeah, at Crime and Music on Twitter, Crime and Music Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Anyway, so basically, people love him. He he's made for radio. He's got the DJ voice. He's got the silky smooth. He's good at jingles. He can play live music and, and guitar and stuff like that. He can hit the button. He can. He's good at the button. He's yeah. been doing it since he was 12. So now, 1957, Waylon gets a job at KLLL. He's making good money. making good money as a DJ. He's even more doing songs and sponsors and brand opening things out there. The grand opening of this stuff. Come to Dave Tire Barn. Dave Tire Barn. Dave Tire Barn. <laughs> Brought to you by KLLL. And so uh, in 1956, he buys a DeSoto convertible. Yes, I, I yeah. If you're unfamiliar with what a DeSoto is, what the coming fancy way of saying that is. I feel like I'm drinking DeSoda. <laughs> DeSoda. This is disgusting. Seltzer soda. Uh. I got about half of it Choke down, it down, man. yeah, no, at the break, we're switching it up. It's not as heavy, it's as skinny and tall as it is. I like how they stick the two as skinny, tall tails. Oh, you know why they're like that, don't you? 
Oh, you you know why these all these little Celtic hands are skinny? Just to look thin and fashionable, or Lutheran? And their hands are oh, sidebar, sidebar. One of the big. Speaking of tiny hands, this is not a Trump reference. <laughs> No, but look this at his hands. So small. This was terrible. This poor dude. He's a he's a sales rep, a big marketing guru for one of the one of the um, drill like cordless drill, you sure. know, like power drill, power drills to fix your home. You have to loosen screws when you're using a drill. I don't want to say the name of the manufacturer, sure. but it's one we've all heard of. And he was given a, a a presentation to these big wigs at Home Depot, trying to tell him why his drill brand would be preferable over the competitors and he's going into all these great nice features and how small they were and how easily and he said and look ours has a much smaller grip than the competitors which will make it perfect for all of our <laughs> for all of our uh, what what was the term he used latinos that are yeah he oh, said this no. and so he's basically saying that all latinos have tiny hands because they're tiny people and this is going to work perfect for them and it was being broadcast. This was being, you know, how they do. They, they broadcast it. They're Live not all in the same baby. room. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, some people apparently had a problem with that. And when they brought it up to him, he, he turned right around and was like, yep, I'm an idiot. I'm sorry. If you got to fire me, fire me. I'm That was stupid of me to say. <laughs> it was. I apologize to everyone that had offended, and I get it. I'm an idiot. I wasn't even thinking. <laughs> he yeah. didn't even pause and try to spin it like, oh, I, you know, I said something. No, he knew it was just stupid. But no, the, these hands, I mean, wouldn't it make sense if you're going to make something that's marketed towards our, our our younger girls? I mean, get the, get rid of the smaller hands or whatever. It's like those cigarettes. Remember those cigarettes? Oh, I don't chew for the life of me. I chew for my kids. <laughs> you are wearing Sam's pink shirt. Yep. Cover your ass. It's orange. do that pretty good. You always try to bring it right back. I try to bring it right back. <laughs> it's something. And much like uh, when Buddy Holly comes back to town, he always stops by the radio station to catch up with Rosie. Oh, yeah. He brings it back for us. What year was this? This is 1958. So Buddy Holly hasn't made the scene totally in his lifetime. He's not national. We're about to get 58. there. 58. I feel like this is when a lot of that 50s, 60s yeah. stuff starts to come together at Sock the hop, bebop type stuff. Uh, the tail end of that. Yeah, just bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Buddy's got some stuff coming out. We're getting there. Uh, Buddy Keeps Promising Me begins now. Produces the first single, Willie Blunt. Who who produced what? Buddy Buddy Holly produced Waylon's first single. Oh, you know, hope my hands don't hope my singles don't ever hurt. It's called Willie Blunt. It's often called Cage Nine if you're from Italy. Like uh, sorry, what's that Italian called Creole? It's called um. Zydeco. Yeah, Zydeco. I like Zydeco. Zydeco Wash Lords. Yeah. Once they start, man, they never stop. So three months later, Buddy Holly's back in Lubbock. Lubbock. The Lubbock. He's back at the Lubbock. And uh, he stops by Waylon, hands him a bass guitar, and says, Play that for me. You got two weeks to learn how to play that. <laughs> Good friend of mine. <laughs> Thanks. In fact, I think I nailed it. Waylon's a new bass player for Buddy Holly's band, The Crickets. It's literally it's those guys. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> Just stand there and look like you're doing something. That's all you got to do. And, of course, like every bass player, uh, <laughs> Waylon was a guitar player. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. 
that she was fucked was like, nah, I smell a fart first. <laughs> Not your own fart either. Like, whoa, nah. Basically, um, this guy Joe B. Muldoon, he's a huge dick, as you might imagine. He's beefing buddies, and he's like, "He want to get paid? I prefer <laughs> to get paid for my services." And buddy's like, "I, I don't need that." He's like, "No, I don't need that." He's, he's just like, "Just take this kid over and like, be safe buddy." So he's a bass player. The only one who plays the guitar. That's yeah. as good as a bass player. And, and what was his last name? Uh, Muldoon. You ever heard of him? Joe Muldoon? Yeah. No, you don't. <laughs> you want to know why? He's a bass player. <laughs> there you go. That'll do it. All you bass players, uh, Pat and Tony Rudd. <laughs> Very nice. Thank you. January 23rd, 1969. Buddy Holly and the Crickets, Dion and the Belmonts, Big Bopper, Frank Sardo, and Richie Valens, they start a 25-show tour called Winter Dance Party. I bet this this goes off well. So <laughs> hey! <laughs> So Waylon's like, dude, I hit it. I got a 25-show tour. I'm touring with the band. I it's can't wait to great. do all 25 shows. It's going to be great. And he does. We'll get there. <laughs> Ten days into the tour, they're headed towards uh, Moorhead, Minnesota, how, how, Iowa. How are they getting there? Well, hold on now. It's it's a snowstorm. Oh, so not there yet? No, no, no. They're taking a bus. They're taking a bus. And the bus is so cold. <laughs> hold on. Let me drink of this hard stuff. How cold is it, Brian? <laughs> do this like top 10 style the bus was so cold one politicians had their hands in their own pockets <laughs> you have 10 yeah and number two lady liberty put the torch inside of her dress <laughs> and finally our number three reason it was so cold on the bus miley cyrus had to put her clothes back on <laughs> that's how cold it was um so you remember who steve-o is the jackass guy <laughs> absolutely He's got a comedy tour. It's coming into Michigan here not too long. Where it, it's basically his comedy bit. Yes. Is he talks about celebrities who've done cocaine with him. <laughs> <laughs> Riding in the cars with comedians for coffee, and it's like doing cocaine with uh, I celebrities. Watched, I watched a short clip of him on uh, on the YouTube yesterday doing a, doing one of his shows. Sure. And he's not real polished. He's not a he's not a public speaker as much as he is a public communicator. Yeah. Um. About this story, they're pretty good. Oh, it's I bet. Yeah. Once, once that's why we do he this show. Once you're behind the wall, man, you're like, oh my god, you did what? He talked. Ab- he talked about just teasing. Now I'm sure it's like longer than five minutes. Now we're promoting Steve-O's show. Yes. Yeah. No. Pr- yeah. He seems to be enjoying it. I like it. Um. No, he does. He he seems to be kind of actually smart, other than all the stupidity he's doing. I'll give those. And the drinking. I'll no, bring, I'll bring he uh, talked here. about Paris Hilton. He talked about. Lindsay Lohan. Hey. Lilo. Or Lilo. Lilo. Yeah. Lindsay, Lindsay Lohan stole his, his cocaine one time. <laughs> I, I believe that. <laughs> She's like, give me, give, hold your cocaine up. And she holds her little bag up. And he says, yeah. he hold, I hold, don't do that. I like that. Uh, and, and she grabs it. And she then she just has his cocaine. And she points at him and says, get out. <laughs> what the? And Steve-O said, I would have given up a fight, but I want to go back and tell, my, tell all my bros. That Lindsay Lohan just stole my cocaine. I just got mugged by my for cocaine from Lindsay Lohan. And then he said Kid Rock one time they had whatever hotel. There's a piano, a couple girls, and he says this guy dumped all the biggest pile of personal use cocaine I've ever seen in my life, and he starts lining it up. And I looked at him with this look like there's no way this is gonna happen. And all Kid Rock said to me was, Ah, don't worry, we'll chip away at it. <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> chip away at it. Kid. I want I want to use that term. We'll get into I don't some. Know where I'm at. 
We'll get into some cocaine news later. No, Rogan vouches for Tebow, too. He's always like, people who choose stand-up comedy as the second career, like your reality thing and shit like that, you're either an actor or comedian. They're usually like two or three. They get like famous off their name in that world. Apparently, Tebow really worked hard at his stand-up. He like read his special to his performances and stuff. So I'm willing to give him a shot. He looked a little unpolished, but I think the only way to get polished work work the stage, is, baby, is fail for five minutes. Work the stage. They say ten, unfortunately. So yeah. my dreams of being a stand-up, I'm like, I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> I'm be not like Louis Black. It. Just come in, you know, you're like six. Was it Louis Black? Believe you. That's a hopeful story. No, um, he was an older dude. He kind of was like a head of hair. Yeah. Ron White. Ron White. Yep. Even Jim Gaffigan. Yeah, yeah. He's like our age, but he's been doing it for a long time. Yeah. No, you got to put the time in. I don't know. I, I, it, it wears on you. You got It does wear it, on you. You tell the difference. Much like uh, riding the bus got to wear on you. Buddy's tired of riding the bus. Cold. We talked about how cold it was. We already talked about that. Right. So. uh Buddy's like, you know what? I'm gonna get a plane. Because I'm not doing this. I'm gonna charter a plane from Clear Lake, Iowa to Moorhead, Minnesota. And I'm gonna stay with this fellow bus driver. I don't know. Taking a bus to Moorhead sounds like a good time. Especially for Clear Lake. Yeah, you know. In- I don't know. Insert a blowjob joke that's better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> right, go ahead. You had on the plane, uh, you had Buddy from Wayland sitting there. He gets challenged. He won his seat in the coin toss with uh, the tickets to cards. Uh, and all of a sudden, they're like, I'll take a seat in the plane. I'll take a seat. All the other flip. Pales, you win. Oh, so they couldn't get everybody on the plane. Oh, no, no. There's only four seats on the plane, but plus the pilot. Okay. So uh, Dion, Dion of McBelmont, he was offered a seat on the plane, but they wanted $36 for it. And he's like, I'm just going to save my money and uh, stay on the bus. So uh, this guy, J.P. Richardson, a.k.a. Chris Popper, you mm-hmm. remember him? He was a DJ, too. And uh, he was feeling sick. He had the flu. So Wayland said, I give you this. Take this. So Waylon gets off the plane. Uh, February third. I feel like people know this story, and we're not doing, we're not giving enough good details. I'll get there. Yeah, no, it's fine. We can't talk. <laughs> we could talk about this this kind of story for an hour. This is its own episode. Is what it, it's well, it's not crime it, and music. Right. It's just That's why we're there. And I can This is a turning point of music history. Well, we're there. All right. So we're there. We're there because now it's February third, nineteen fifty nine, one a.m. And, and, and let's say who was on the plane with him. Well, we got Buddy. But yeah, Buddy Holly. Yep. Uh, Richie Valens. Yep. He was another famous guy yep. back in the day. So you had Dion, uh, Brother Dion didn't go. And then you had uh, the Big Bopper. He had the flu. So there's three of them. Yeah. There was, like I said, Dion was going to go. And they're like, we got we to charge you 35 bucks, dude. Yep. And he's like, nah. So after reading, reaching speeds of 170 miles an hour in the deep shaft bonanza aircraft, shocked reserves rolled skated 600 feet across a cornfield outside of Mason City, Iowa. That was the briefing that they had after that. Let's go in the first one. So, wi- I'm just curious. Did they get – were they flying for a minute, or did they just it crash off the takeoff? They got to max speed. I don't know if they reached any altitude. Yeah, well, I mean, max speed, you're uh, – But they you took could be off. Five, they were five minutes into the flight. Or Somebody or said it was a couple hundred yards off the so that sounds like they they crashed off the plane. I would think so. Ish. Yeah. They didn't get halfway there and no. But well, like I said, it's like it's like 17 minutes or 12 minutes into the flight or something like yeah, that. Yeah, they, they just kind of Hey guys, oh god. Yeah, and then iced yeah. up or something. So from that day on, Whalen avoided uh, air travel whenever possible. 
song. I think it was a bike song. I think it was just by a guy named Damon. When I was a kid, my I found this old album of my Damon? dad's. Damon. Damon. I think it's Damon. And I, it was a little like you know what are the smaller records called? Forty five. And I listened to it and it had swear words on it. So I listened to that over and over on my little <laughs> fish plate, fish break radio. Oh or, yeah, uh, record, uh, player. record player. Well, much like yourself, Wayland uh, married at that time, had two kids, headed back to Texas after all that happened, so he never liked the Beaver Creek. Well, he does for a while. Then he wants out of Texas. His wife, Maxine, got pregnant in Arizona. So Wayland Up leads his family to Phoenix in 1960, and he works in radio again, does some time at KDAV, some time at KOYL, pretty few shows around here. About what time? Sixty. Okay. I, I I didn't really dig Phoenix all that much. I mean, the city is fine. Um, Been there once or twice. You go north yeah. out of Phoenix, up by like Scottsdale and stuff. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. That is mountains awesome. and stuff like that. Yep. yep. There's it's kind of high country, desert, and then, I mean, eventually you get Grand Canyon and stuff. But yeah, I like I like that. What Arizona's where uh, Major Roger Diamond Peaks was originally. There you go. That's one of my favorites. Yeah. yeah. I know. You, I was gonna say I know you like Diamond Peaks. Yep. Well, uh, Waylon was out there playing funk, too, and he, he had an odd job because he would play uh, intermissions at drive-in theaters. How would that happen? Well, he'd go, let's all go to the lobby. <laughs> let's all go to the lobby. Hey, no, I don't know. It just it, He's like, he had a gig playing intermissions at drive-in theaters. He played at bars and clubs. And I was just like, the drive-in kind of stands out. That's kind of weird. Maybe, maybe he would go to the lobby and play there so people would – Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go to the lobby even if they go didn't want the some more snacks. Snack shed and hang out there. 1961, uh, Waylon is tired of being by himself and carrying all his gear, so he forms a band called the Whalers. Just so he didn't have to carry his own shit? No, I just think it's funny. Because <laughs> as a drummer, I got tired of packing shit and stuff like that. So, so the Whalers, W-A-Y-L-O-R-S, Whalers, that's what they're called. Not to be confused with the Whalers on the moon. Trio. You know I love a good power trio. <laughs> Probably right up there with Rush. Right. You had Waylon on the bass, like Geddy Lee. You had Jerry Drop on the guitar, like Alex Lifeson. And then you had uh, Emil Hurd or Richie Albright on the drums. I bet he's still in contact with Emil. Yeah. He doesn't listen to us. He doesn't listen to Geddy Lee. Oh, he's got that record. Yeah, that's the closest he'll get. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> hey, I do. I researched this for hours. What are you talking about? This is not about Richie Albright. All right. Now, Richie Albright recorded some singles the trend label with the Whalers. Of course, the Whalers uh, got signed to like a small label called Atomic Records back in the day. They're good. They got a deep Phoenix following in the clubs and the bars, and um, Waylon, through this friend, another radio DJ, a guy named John Bowman, he's introduced to Herb Albert. Herb Albert. Was he a big Is he a Herb producer? Albert in the Tijuana Brass, baby? Oh. He was oh. a little Spanish flute. Na, 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 na. A record star who thought he'd be na, 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 na. like the Beatles. He don't believe those people he's seen na, na, on TV. TV. He was a little Spanish flute. Yeah, yeah, yeah Herb Albert and the Tijuana Brass. Oh, okay. TJB. He's also the A in A&M Records. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. I, 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 when you said Herb Albert, I was thinking, like, recording or, or producing right. behind the scenes. I didn't know that's what you meant by Tijuana. Yeah, right. Okay. And he's like a triple threat. So he's got his Tijuana Brass. And he plays music, and he's the A of A&M Records. Okay. 
that, like Phil Spector. He started out singing music and made a lot of money and then moved to the other side of the world. The producers that have the M justification he was getting paid for doing them too and this guy John this guy John Bowman mm-hmm. like lost it like basically everybody's pumping up Wayne it's his buddy John's like hey you gotta check this guy out you gotta check this guy out so check this guy out July 9th 1963 Waylon signs with A&M Records and releases songs like Love Denied Wave On Kiss Is Sweeter Than Wine and your favorite because you sung it on the show Race is on. Is all hail here comes riding back red hard as a rolling mule And I'm holding something for you to lose. Oh, you're gonna do Wayland from now on. That's that's way better. Alright, well, much like you, Wayland didn't do so hot at A and M at the time. They were kind of a folk label, not really country. So uh, a folk label. Well, this is the thing, and, the, and you'll see here real quick, is Waylon does the crossover episode, and we'll get into that. Uh, he hasn't done his crime yet. Well, it's time. Get, I, he better get a gun out or something for it. Yeah, okay. We're going we're gonna to do some country music name drop right now for Waylon. We're going to get there, all right? Okay. I'm, okay. I'm just okay. bringing in the players, okay. all right? Uh, singer Bobby Bear, who we played Kitty, he was driving through Phoenix, right, listening to the radio, and he hears Waylon in one of his songs. So Bobby goes to uh, one of Waylon's gigs, and he calls this guy Chet Atkins. So yeah, Chet, yes. A.K.A. Mr. Guitar and the Country Gentleman. Yep, he's been doing that for a while. He's also the head of RCA Picture in Nashville. And uh, this guy Bobby's like, Chet, you got to sign this kid Waylon, man. Like, he was awesome. So Chet and RCA make Waylon an offer, and uh, he doesn't know what to do, right? He's like, I can keep playing the clubs and stick with Herb or go with Chet to Nashville. So when you got a decision that you don't know what to do, you go talk to your buddies, right? So Waylon goes to ask one of his good friends, Willie Nelson, what he oh. should do. What do I do, Willie? <laughs> Willie, burn one, buddy. Yeah, I bet think he about did. it. But Hold on, let's take a break, and we'll <laughs> uh, have a little fun. Let's go have a powwow here. At, have a safety meeting, as they say. <laughs> so <laughs> Willie said, uh, Willie's like, y'all are staying in Phoenix. So uh, Waylon moves to Nashville. Do the opposite of whatever Willie said there. Absolutely. And uh, as we move to Nashville, we're going to take a little break right now. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm almost out of my seltzer water. And we're going to not get more seltzer waters. I don't know. I kind of like it now. And now you're onto it? Now, I, it's, now it's got you. I'm serious. Stop. The, it's easy to drink. I mean, you could you could chug these. It's like water. It is a lot like I mean, it's like drinking water. No, you're eating filtered water, alcohol from cane sugar, Natural flavors, cane sugar, citric acid, Ooh. carbon dioxide, and and jar of pop. Jar of pop with it? I wouldn't have guessed that. Yep, H and B A R I N A. Everybody, look up Mangurna hops, and when we come back, I'm burning my way in the dark. <laughs>
kind of rice. I have margarita in my hand here, buddy. You got a little margarita. I got a tiny little airplane-sized margarita and a glass of ice. So Brian comes into the studio like with two little tiny glasses of ice and a little margarita on his hand. You want to have some margaritas? <laughs> no, I'm not going to have a margarita. What did you do, bend and man man? Well, I felt like after that seltzer, I needed to go a little little bit more and kind of get the beer in the leaks. Get a little chest shake. Yeah, I got uh, one of those Guinness beers. Guinness, uh, they're the book people. Book people. So and, and I could tell this is one of those Guinness cans where it's got the little um, uh, nitrogen wafer in there. Oh yeah, yeah. You, you can, can hear it pinging around. That's what decided to now I'm shaking up is all that. <laughs> and, and it's always I, I I don't know what it is. I get a nitrogen beverage and I just kind of feel like I I had a nitrogen beer the other day. I forgot what it was, but it was like a nitrogen blonde ale, and I'm like, oh, that was nice. Yeah, there's there's some good yeah thick creamy blonde ale. Beer but normally you think stuff. right, you think of your Guinness with your nitrogen coke like that stout. Ooh. That is that is bomb. Ah, sick. There you go. It's good. <laughs> well, it was good for Waylon cuz in 1965 he officially signed with RCA Records. Which one was that? The one in uh, August 21st, 1965, Waylon tracked Billboard's Hot Country song started with That's the Chance I Have to Take. That's the Chance I knew you'd know the Hot Country song. I, I don't know that. Oh, I was like, is that it? All right, well, here, well, let me be, let me take you to high school. From 1966 to 1969, <laughs> here are some songs Waylon released. Anita, You're Dreaming, that went to number 17. Time to Burn Again, that went to 17. Did he write that one really? Really, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, that comes later. Uh, That's What You Get for Loving Me, that's number 19. Green River. Green River. Uh, number 11. <laughs> Whatever. Just to Satisfy You, that didn't hit the charts. Uh, the Choking Kid hit number 8. Only Daddy Will Work Walk the Line, that made it to number 2. Because it's so popular. Yeah, yeah, I know that. Handsome man hit number three. See, here's here's the thing: all these old musics, all these old, all these old musics. I probably recognize most of them, could sing along to a lot of them, but I never knew the names of them. Remember classic country, what Thursday nights or whatever? No, it was it was it was um, golden, golden, country gold, country gold, yeah, country gold, country gold. We did the we were up north at our hangout, and we would always listen to country gold. That's why I learned all of my old country classics because they played Will, Waylon, Willie, oh. Cash. They played like the hits, man. We used to ride around. Uh, friends of ours had a couple old 1960-something Toyota Utes. and they <laughs> Yeah, that's right. And they painted them cherry red, no top, used mudder tires, kind of yep. jacked them up a little bit, and we called them the, the, tra- the, the um, whatever, the Let's go take a Jeep ride. Right. And so we'd go down um, Land Cruiser. That's Land Cruiser. That's it. And so we'd take you to Land Cruiser. Let's do this. And we'd throw a bunch of beer in there. Oh, yeah. But we'd go four or five miles an hour down two tracks with Country Gold. Oh, and just and, and you, would, you would come to a spot you'd never been. Maybe you'd stop for a Jeep drop, have a couple beers. Everybody would get out. And there's like maybe four of us in this one. And, and you're just cruising around. We were not going fast. These things were not made they for speed. They weren't built for speed. Weren't built for comfort either. So. No, we got <laughs> stuck one night. We were all 
Christian stuff. Um, and he went down this big, huge hill. And the piece of property is now involved in the crime. In fact, oh, wow. that's why it was punished. It was punished that the people would collect gold, wash it, and dry it in in old roofs and in people's offices and throw them down the hill. Dump it. So we went down the hill. <laughs> this sounds so bad. We had guns with us. Of course. Drinking and guns. And we, found, and we found somebody had a bunch of uh, little two-pound, one-pound cylinders of propane oh God. that were down there kind of rusty oh sure so we got a little we had an extra gas tank where's this going we put it we put the we put it we dug a little in a little nook in the side of the hill put a little gas in there put Cap- the propane tank, here we go put the propane tank in there lit it walked back about 50 60 yards we got the mini 14 out shot and it shot it in a big huge fireball with a mini 14 yeah Explain what that is real quick. Well, that's one of those scary black guns that everybody sees. But these weren't black. These looked like the 80s guns. They were all decked out in folded stock <laughs> to look like the guns the guys in the 80s sure. used. That's what they used. Sure. Remember in the B.A. Brockman band on the old TV show? They used the Mini-14. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're, It's a two twenty three caliber. And, you know, so we just got back. No scopes on them. It looked, it looked like, a, like a mean gun. It didn't look like a scary black gun. This one had a folded stock, wood stock, wood, wood. wood foregrips. Yep. It didn't have all the barrel and all that. It looked like the ones they typically used in the 80s. In the 80s. So we shot that thing. It blew up. So we're going back up there, and we had this dude who was sitting right there with us, Kurt. You know, on food ranch, you find these type of guys. So we start to try to get back up the hill. We can't. It's sand. We're digging in. Four-wheel drive. We had four-wheel drive going at the time. It wouldn't go. I mean, we were just digging in sand. So we back and back down. And without even pausing, we're like, all right, let's some air out. Kurt's freaking out. Kurt's like, what are we going to do? Michelle's expecting you back. And his wife. And uh, and we let a bunch of air out of the tires because we get warm, you know, more surface area on the dirt. And he starts freaking out. You're letting air out of the tire. How are you going to get back? Don't worry. We got this. <laughs> Prep right up the hill. Don't worry. Th- we got that. That's all we need to do. And we just continued at it. Lit back and back. Semi, semi-softly. That was your story. Just missing it. Kurt was getting worried about it. Kurt, oh, and then he got out of the vehicle, like, back at the edge of the house. And the bumper wasn't much more than just a sheet metal wrapped around. There was, like, diamond plate. Like there was a, a lot of diamond plate A lot of involved. diamond plate on and, these things. And Kurt was getting out of the back of this thing pretty high up in the air. Yeah. And his toes slipped off the little, like, ledge that you step on to get out. And slipped off and fell. And from maybe right above his ankle all the way up to his knee, all the skin was scraped. Oh. He scraped it right. He was bleeding. Wake up the next day, you're like, what happened? Here? Oh, he, well, he, he was, he was. Uh, suffice it to say, Kurt never went out with us again <laughs> on a Land Cruiser ride. Yeah, jeez. I don't know why we didn't go that time. I, I have no idea how we got into that. But uh, a Land Cruiser, Country Gold, that's what. Country was. Gold, bringing it back around. Bringing it back. Well, much like myself, Waylon has a bunch of odd friends. So. It's a disgusting situation. I'm just. Waylon, he did. He had some weird friends, right? He, he has an apartment in Nashville now, right? He moved to Nashville. He's kind of there to deal with all the stuff. He doesn't have a ton of money yet. He's not rich. He's not broke. But he's splitting a room. Um, guess who he broke? Um, I'm going with not Buddy Holly. Who's that? Not Chris with Buddy Holly. Elvis Presley. Uh, no. He'll make an appearance shortly. But he was a band in black, Johnny Cash. Oh, okay. <laughs> Waylon's roommate. So he 
was hanging out with his buddy Willie Nelson and then Johnny Cash. And and maybe these guys aren't that big though. You know, they kind of are. They're sort of, you know, like there's the new guys who are like, oh, these guys are going to be good. Yeah. Like, yeah. They ended up being good. So Waylon starts uh, taking pills, though, to stay awake. And him and Johnny are like popping some pills and playing music in the hotel room and things like that. Didn't, Ro- didn't Roy Orbison die inside the hotel room? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Right? Sorry. Oh, and what's funny is now I have a personal request from the ROFC. So, um, long story short, we had a fan club group that we started in grade school called the ROFC, the Rotor Elementary Fan Club. It was popular with the ladies. <laughs> um, but uh, some of the members have actually made requests for the show, so we're going to get some of their requests for people coming up here. So. Yeah. Well, and the name that shall not be mentioned. I can't even say that anymore. I've been sworn off that show. Not me. Yeah, I know. So if you don't want to be talked about, you know us from grade school or high school, uh, Too bad. send us a Twitter. Too bad. We're trying to use it. Yep. Um, all right, here's Go the to thing. our speak pipe and tell us. We won't put you on the air. <laughs> Speaking of bad relationships, uh, Johnny and uh, Waylon are the same manager as this guy, Lucky Nolan. Lucky Nolan. Lucky hey, wasn't Nolan. he the bass player that got kicked out by the – No, that was Muldoon. Muldoon. But yeah. uh, Lucky – he had a great habit. He would book s- shows, like for these guys' tour, that were like super far apart from one another, but then give a really close calendar date. Like, all right, guys, tonight we're in Nashville, and tomorrow you're playing in L.A. <laughs> we, all right. So, I'm uh, already not hip to flying, Billy. <laughs> yeah, right. He's like, you know, we're not gonna take a plane to Nashville. So, lucky. Uh, anyway, he wasn't very good at that. So Waylon was also playing like 300 plus shows uh, a year on the road here. So his debt was going up too, and then keep playing shows, kept taking more amphetamines. His debt was going up because of drugs? Uh, no, he had some spending habits, and you know they didn't really manage money. He also had a couple of ex-wives at this point in time, and some oh, kids. Oh, did he? So oh, okay. Yeah, well, he married his high school sweetheart because they thought she was pregnant, so he, so he ended up getting kids with a woman. Oh, okay. So uh, the workload, tours, blames himself. His buddy Howie's death. So let's see if he gets any better. Well, he's probably, if he's doing 300 shows, that's a rough, that's rough. That's why a lot of those, a lot of work, man. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of part of the Johnny Cash story, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Going out, a lot of work, and uh, you need to relax, right? So, uh, Waylon had a thing for this guy. It's called Rupees. It's called Rainy Day Women. Rainy Day Women. Yeah, so they're groupies of all ages who are all filthy for being disgusting. So, a quote from Waylon, he said, quote, I crave companionship. I've had my share. I don't think women's sex lives have a thing to do with the kinds of women that these human beings are having. Just because they're whores and good people? They can be. According to Waylon. Speaking of women, we need to talk about Jesse Coleman. You know her? No. Yeah, I think I do. She's uh, a a gal named Marion Eddy. She plays singer Jesse Coleman's country singer. She's from Arizona. Her mother was a Pentecostal preacher. Her dad was a race car driver. Race car driver? Yeah. Did you know? Is that race car spelled backwards? Is race car? Yes, oh, I did. my God. Oh, dude. High five. Oh, you nailed that, it. That was, was that it. Really that was really said? Did you know race car spelled backwards <laughs> is still race car? Dude. Yes. We're back together, oh, baby. Same, so stupid. same page. All right. Jesse Coulter. You don't have a radar blade on you, do you? <laughs> it's, it's a belt. Uh, 
Speaking of same page, Jesse Coulter, 1964. Jesse meets Waylon at a recording studio in Phoenix, Arizona. Jesse's husband at the time was his guest. Who am I not thinking well, of? Well, I can't say his name. You'll I'll just, just bleep it out. out. Doesn't hear three beeps. Last name with husband. We just call him Phoenix. You can't even remember your last name. <laughs> I don't even know what you're talking about. Oh, yeah. We his <laughs> was last name. And his middle name's his first name, too. <laughs> just Freenix. We call him Freenix. Or is it Phoenix? <laughs> Freenix. Freenix. Yes. That's his, that's his middle name. What's that? His name is Marty B. <laughs> oh, I skipped that one. Marty. <laughs> Two Freenix. <laughs> I oh, think we had to Lord. sing that going from uh, going from one station to another back in Keith Colton and Connick and the Boy Scouts every trip to Indio. Uh, we always had that one that little black and blue truck uh, killer. Uh, that Remember that? That was in the backyard, though. No, 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 no. It was oh, not. It was, was at, at it was at a Boy Scout camp. My dad was the Boy Scout head leader. And we all ate chili in the mess hall. Oh, yeah. And you sneaked it up. Right. And my brother, my little brother at the time, Cody was younger than us, was just there, you know, going along. Cause He's boys. still your little brother. Yeah. Um, bigger than me. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, well, he's he, a father of two. He witnessed you puking up chili. Oh, he swore off chili for like 20 years. And he's still not real hip to chili because of that. Oh, really? Yeah. That's yeah. hilarious. You really need to be kidding. Oh, that's funny. Country Parks. He asked Waylon to come with him because the vocals he was his son was working with on Waylon and Jesse. So Waylon and Jesse sounded great together. But she's married and Waylon's on his second wife, Lynn. Oh, okay. Which is what Michelle. I kind of like that name, Jesse. Jesse. So do I. Yeah. Jesse and Jesse. I think it's that old Ricky thing. Yeah. But that was a talking about a coup. Jesse was a coup. Yeah, but if you knew a girl named Jesse, you could sort of flip it and say Jesse Coulter. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I think you could. Somebody should name their kid Jesse. Just baby Jesse. There you go. All right. That's a good challenge. I will, I will name your baby boy Jesse. Yeah. Okay. October 26, 1969. Nah. Wh- <laughs> Waylon and Jesse get married. Wow. By a justice of the peace in Las Vegas, Nevada. Not Elvis impersonator? Or Maybe they didn't have Elvis impersonator. Did he said Elvis? <laughs> Waylon divorced his third wife, uh, Barbara Reed, and uh, Jesse divorced Wendy Duane. After the wedding? Uh, before. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. They had to go to Utah. Waylon had his first wife, Maxine Lawrence, died in 1965, and he went on with his second wife, Lynn Jones, in 62. He got a third wife, Barb Reed, in 67. And this is Jesse Coulter's fourth wife, Michelle, and it's 1969. Wow. Yeah. He's got a total of eight kids. He's got six with his first wife, one with his second wife, and one with Jesse. She was, she was going to be whatever she was going to be. He's got three kids. Are you eight eight kids? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Huh. So that's why he's got financial problems. Got well, maybe best stuff with rubber. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Ah, uh, still 1969. Uh, Waylon wins his first Grammy for best country performance by a duo or group. Did vocals for a song called MacArthur Park with the Kimberleys. MacArthur Park. It sounds familiar. 
I, I feel like that's a Seinfeld type visual of I listen to these like now my new thing is I listen to the artist's music while I'm writing a show. It's pretty cool for me. I don't have to sit and try to like look and read into it while I'm writing it. And a lot of that old country had a very similar sound. There's uh-huh. a lot of country that was like that. Well, that Texas sound, man, the I Telecaster f- Cowboy. I, I try not to get down on country. There's some good country songs oh, that I, I, love I, it. I listen to. I love it. It's great. That old, that country gold, man, that brings me right back. And I was going to say, when you were talking about those stories, there's something about listening to country music out in nature, out in the woods, that it just, it's not a beach thing. I mean, it can be a beach thing, but for me, it's like, if you're out in nature in the woods listening to country, it's just like, oh. Because they match. It mixes. matches, right? Now, a lot of new country today, as, okay, I'm just going to make fun of it, but then I'm going to pretend like it's not. This doesn't have the same pop as a beer does. No, it doesn't feel like it's popping. It's more beautiful. So you have, you you listen to the words. If you could dissect the song, put the tune out, and just put the words on a piece of paper. Yeah. It's the same thing with so many country songs. Whether it's, you know, you're out and back, you're mudding, there's your beer, there's your truck, there's your girl. There's there's being poor, working hard. That's country music. You know, I mean, that's what it is. And you're kind of just like you're recycling it. Like the last song we listened to, every song was a recycling. Well, that's not country. But you listen to some hip-hop, and it's the same, not the same thing as country, but it's the theme. The, it's all about the money. Well, it's and about describing a lifestyle. N-word yeah. stuff and gangs and chains and freestyling. 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 funny you bring up things being uh but were the old country songs ever good probably yeah they must have been controversial in the beginning right we get to outlaw country here in about 50 years scott's getting ready well 1970 here's something here's here's some controversy for you 1970 at the country music awards the cmas waylon is scheduled to play his song only daddy i got was running over on time that day, so the producers were asking Waylon to cut one verse and one chorus for the song. Mm-hmm. Turn it down, Waylon. Waylon said, quote, why don't I just dance across the stage and grin? Maybe do one line. That'll give you a lot of time. Wow, he didn't want to be cooperative at all. They told me not to get smart. Either I did it or I got out. They said, we don't need you. I decided that was true and I left. Oh, wow. <laughs> we walked out on the stage and said to the country music awards, I think I think Eminem has the same problem with country songs, or the MTV awards. Oh, dude, they're artists, man. You can't go around censoring their music to make it fit your schedule. That's why some people are touchy about that. They're not on the commercial side of it with the creators. Dude, if I hire you to build, if I hire <laughs> you to do something for me, and I want you to change it a little bit as we go, because I'm paying you, done. Yeah, look, bro. You know how long the song is. You've seen the record. That's how long the song is. The mural won't fit in my house. Make it smaller. <laughs> Speaking of disagreeable, we're at the outlaw country now. Okay. Right. Is that was that coined about this time? Yeah, basically, you you get what outlaw country is like. You're, well, yeah. Can, I, you, can I, you walk us through, or did you need to go through what it was? Well, outlaw country was a lot more with the with the um, it, it went off the reservation. We talked about some taboo subjects, and also didn't it brush a lot of elbows with a lot of the the biker people out out there doing all the the biker games after the Vietnam stuff and. 
Well, am I, am I way off, Ryan? You're kind of on there. Now, here's the thing. Basically, if you did country music back in the day, like the Nashville style scene, there, the record company had rules set up about, you had to wear certain clothes, you had to play certain songs, even though they weren't your songs. Other people were going to play your songs. You had to uh, act a certain way. Who was playing for you? Yes, ma'am. No, sir. You know, and, and so Waylon sums it up for me just right. He says, quote, they wouldn't let you do anything. You had to dress a certain way, you had to do everything a certain way, and they kept trying to destroy me so I could go on about my business and get things my way. So, basically, the record company is basically going to tell you, I don't give a shit, so beat it. Off You're not my boss. <laughs> right, right. They're like, yeah, no, we are. We are. You're not my boss. As long as you got the right pay, pay your paycheck. Yeah, right, exactly. Uh, what's the most you've ever made taking a pill? In 1972, Waylon, or Chuck Lehrer, Neil Reshin, whose uh, real name is Chuck Waylon, it's kind of funny to hear his name spelled Chuck, but cool for you, right? Well, for him. So they go to renegotiate uh, Waylon's contract, right? And the negotiations got down to one last signature, $25,000. So Waylon wants $25,000. Okay, fine. What do you want? Room silent. take a leak. When I came back, Neil greeted me in the hall and said, you're a fucking genius. <laughs> Walking out like that? That sewed it up, man. That's a $25,000 piss. And they were scared that he walked away. Well, after Waylon left, the record company execs were like, uh, where'd Waylon go? Neil told him, I went crazy. I doubt it'll do anything. Neil said, he coming back? Neil said, I don't know, man. He's gone. Let's just call it a day. Let's wrap it up. And they caved right then, gave him like $25,000. My buddy Tony and I took that pill too to work for, you know Tony. Oh, yeah. Um, I was quitting. I was done. I was out. I was quitting. I was moving up north. And look at you now. Tony and I did the same job. We were both in customer service, sales, and did a lot of traveling. So I'd go in and I told Tony, I'm like, dude, I'm quitting. I'm moving up north. Construction job, just want to change pace, but I want to make sure you're, you know, my buddy's taken care of. So let's try to leverage this. Watch, Please. watch your pocket. We had a big long thing out what we were going to do and how we were going to do it. And so I go into my boss and I say, "Let's do this." And he says, "Yeah, I'm going to do this." Whoa, what? What? And and he says, "I can't let this go." So the vice president comes in and says, "So you're leaving for a job to make less." but I can't because you're here. So thank you very much. Good luck. Please hang up. He walks out. My boss says, hey, I'm not going to let that happen. I'm going to at least give you an offer. And if I get you to stay, great. If not, you walk away knowing that I wanted you to stay. 
so he gave me this offer. I knew he'd give me an offer because I even told Tony, hey, if they give me an offer, they should at least honor that with what you're going to pay because you're going to have more work to do after I leave. So when I came back in the room, he's like, I got to give you an offer. This is on a Tuesday. I'm going to give you a $10,000 raise. Right then, I knew I was staying. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I was staying. I'm, and I said to him, all right, I want to think about it. Let me let me wait until I really want to go talk to Tony and tell him, hey, if I'm staying for this 10000 bucks, you got to make sure it gets paid to you. <laughs> wow. And so I walked out. I said, I'll tell you on Thursday. I'll give you my final answer on Thursday. He goes, okay, you got me safe. So I left. On Wednesday, he calls me back. He goes, what do you think? I said, I think I'll give you my answer Thursday. How about I'll also throw one more piece of pie on the plate, give you another week of paid vacation. <laughs> oh, wait until Wednesday or Thursday. So I go back and told Tony, and I uh, Thursday morning rolls in. I go in. I said, hey, I'm going to stay one more $10,000 raise. And I, I shook his hand. I said, thank you very much. And I, I left, and I told Jim and, and Greg and my boss and, and the vice president. I said, hey, by the way, I think Tony wanted to talk to you guys while you're in the room here real quick. He got $10,000 raise another week. Yes. <laughs> I remember that. We had a party. Yeah. I, I had, it was a lagging party. But <laughs> yeah. That's how you squish it. And we, we had that plan. It, we followed it to a T. And you know the where we made the plan up? At Jack's place, at that rough bowling alley in Flushing. We got shot at there. Being oh, DJ. We, got, we got drunk, made up that plan, and it went perfectly. Well, it's funny you, th- you say that because Waylon's got a plan he's working on. 1977, he's trying to plan his trip to Jamaica. Don't get started, Greg. Don't start now. <laughs> but it's just, it's, my favorite part of the show. I love Greg Wilson. So Waylon's planning his trip to Jamaica, but not the Disney Springs. He's planning his tr- trip to Little Girl Branch. What the hell do you think I thought? That's exactly where I was going. Oh, oh, you did? Yeah. Right. Yeah, there's no, no, no way to say Jamaica. So uh, somebody else, not Waylon made the huge mistake though set things up and Waylon was not really happy with the food so he said screw I'm messing up this trip to Jamaica well, because travel plans? Brings it. right and so around this time Pills who were the only ones big brother kids but Elvis dies here in 1977 as well due to an overdose on the toilet right so Waylon swears off the pills he's like I ain't going out on the shitter like Elvis did oh so he stops doing that we should do an Elvis can we do an Elvis episode we can like do opposite that. Like when he was on the good side of things. Well, yeah, he was. Uh, we've talked about this. Right. Yeah, I want to do an Elvis. Right. All right, we'll get we'll get there. Is that the next deck of cards? Uh, maybe. Might right. be. Might right. be. Wow. So uh, Waylon, unlike Elvis, he's like, I'm not doing the pills, so you could just do a Renault change and go to the Pocahontas. 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 So Waylon, uh, he said, at $100 a gram, I was buying it for $20,000 a pop. My intake was about $1,500 a gram. I like to snort cocaine. I snort half a gram on one side of my mouth and then half a gram on the other side. The shotgun effect. Tops most people's heads with so much cocaine. I can't even imagine not only the amount of stuff, the amount of drugs you're doing, but the, the money. Oh, the money. He had rich money. Holy cow. He's, I mean, he's a rich, he's probably just really great money back oh yeah but that's a lot of money <laughs> $1,500 a day oh my god snorting coke yeah he was really going on you know coke crazy you know what you could do with $1,500 a day oh yeah I got a couple grams 
coke. Bunch of coke, right? Like seven grams of coke a day. Uh, so the guy who messed up the trip for the brain cancer deal, right? He sends in a gift certificate uh, with cocaine in it <laughs> to uh, say sorry for not taking it. And so uh, he sends it by private delivery. So the employee at the delivery system gets suspicious because this random small vial being shipped to Will and Jenny. A vial? No, it's just a oh. – it was a vial. Uh, shipped to uh, by Will and Jenny. And so he opens it. What's in the box? What's in the box? And it's full of drugs. Cocaine. Hey. So a delivery service guy calls the DEA. And Chris calls back. He's like, the DEA sees an opportunity here. And uh, they take the bulk of the cocaine, but they send a few grams to Waylon like it was supposed to be. And uh, so they don't. DEA just got in touch with Will and Jenny. 90% less what he thought he got. So Waylon's secretary picks up the box at the airport. tracking her obviously that's the recording studio she's like stop bringing mail here's yeah. mail so uh waylon and his drummer richie uh albright they're just in the back working on songs boom dea comes busting through the back doors and uh, they first encounter richie he's in control of richie's smartphone and he clicks on a little button so that uh, waylon in the recording studio like has the boot can hear it apparently and so uh he knows exactly what's going on Oh, so they're busting the guy in the re- in out behind well, the board. That's where the door is, right? The door comes in. Yeah. You're in the control room with the board, and then Waylon's on the back side of the glass with the instruments and stuff doing vocals or whatever. So he hears everything going down and has, a minute. He has <laughs> a minute to, you know. Waylon knows what's coming, so he sort of tosses the package out of view and goes back to picking his guitar again. Like, oh, we're good. You know, plays it off. But uh, the DEA show Waylon a warrant, and Waylon notices it says uh, he's the owner of the studio. The owner of the studio, he merely rents the studio. He owns the office's door. It's legal jujitsu, which means the warrant is not valid. So uh, while the DEA waited for uh, the proper warrant, Waylon get all the drugs. Richie and Waylon go back to work on the studio, right? And uh, they're emptying their pockets with pill uh, pill bottles and bottles. And uh, Richie drops a bag of coke and it cracks down the wall. He's like, "Is this coming back from there?" You know, since they're flushing it. Well, he sneaks a second bag into the bathroom and flushes that one. Okay. And then uh, the DEA couldn't find any evidence. So they arrest Waylon anyway. Really? <laughs> yep. I guess back then, whatever, man. Right. So it's like, yeah, we got a warrant that says you're, that you're Waylon Jenny. That's pretty close, though. He probably has that on his record. <laughs> well, Falls out, out in court. Fell out in court. <laughs> Sorry, Judge. Is that your heroin? I don't know. I don't know what happened. So before uh, – <laughs> Before they take him away, Waylon calls Jesse right as well. And tells him, quote, I need you to go through all of my things. I mean everything. And flush down the toilet. Anything that even looks suspicious, do it now. Oh, wow. Like, he called her as he's going to jail? Well, before they took him away, right, he calls the studio and says, hey, oh, he maybe knows they're no going to come to the yeah, house. Yeah. Okay. So Waylon didn't want Jesse caught up in this at all. So he avoided their house until he could straighten the whole thing out before he took Waylon to jail. Newspapers said he was facing 15 years in prison. Uh, eight? Okay. Well, it's like federal drug trafficking. Like, the DEA is on board. Somebody's mailing coke to your house. Like, you I can't, I can't stop people mailing <laughs> coke, all right? Judge, that that's on them. That's really not my fault, to be honest no, with you. I, I, I mean, you want to get mad at me for dealing with coke? That's perfectly good choice. Dude, it's well, so funny you say it. that because Waylon hires these two big-time New York City lawyers, and uh, at the preliminary hearing, all the charges are dropped. <laughs> Hey, just 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 put the cowboy up for some money and right? see what 
what? The prosecutor said uh, he had a bad warrant, no evidence. They didn't really have anything on Whale, and they were like, "Yeah, we don't have anything on Whale." And they didn't even they just got in free from him. Pretty much. Oh my god. So, uh, like I said, <laughs> it's like I can't help what people send to me back there. Like I'm not controlling it. You know, we talk a lot about people going to court and getting in trouble and going through the 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 system. And we all we often, to the public knowledge, are completely fine by it. See what oh, they yeah, had yeah. to pay, see what their time they had to spend for the thing was. And so it always interests me on how much they're fined by it. It always seems to be less. It's not that expensive. I think the real cost is Lloyd. Here we go. Yep, 100% that's what he, he nailed it. Because he didn't pay anything to court fees, and uh, he paid some lawyers. Well, I got I got a, a speeding. Uh, no, I, I was But I exceeded the speed limit too fast time, which too fast you can't do that. It's illegal. I mean, it's a rule, but it is a rule. And I know that rule. I broke that rule. And the cop pulled me over that rule and gave me a ticket for that. By the way, that cop should have turned off. He did. <laughs> he rolled the window down. It was like, yo, bam, right in the face. Oh, yeah, that's assault, brother. The L so is supposed to say with the B. So, anyways, um, it was up in. I had to go to SAGCOM and pay. I either had to pay it or go to court. Well, I called a lawyer. ticket sends a mailing out and he's probably so good at it i bet yeah specializes in it yeah he just churns mail everybody hates lawyers till you need one he was right what about some i mean i think more didn't work on me but um did you get a reputation for that absolutely i did my mom was right behind me oh seriously yeah i was giving my mom my family and my mom a ride home from up north yeah right well much like yourself think this outlaw bitch done got out of hand? Have you not heard that one? Oh, Mr. Jailer. <laughs> Why don't you tell Warden Gordon, please Warden set me free. Uh, written solely by Whalen, and it's all about what happened that day. The registrar reached number five on the U.S. Census Code. Here it is. It says, don't you think this outlaw bitch done got out of hand? She done come busting through the back door of number nine. I think it's a good song, though. Take drugs out of my hand. All right. 1970, a Whalen teams up with Willie Nelson. I mean, those pills you can't buy. A little alcohol to slow down. Sweet nicotine. As it rolls through the <laughs> No, now he's up with uh, Willie Nelson, right? Give me a little of Willie stuff and maybe I'll settle down. No, he didn't like it. He didn't like that Willie was. They had a little friction because Willie was always smoking the weed. and uh, Hold on. Who? Willie, Willie Nelson and Whalen had a little friction. Willie there. Nelson smoked marijuana? Occasionally, yeah, for sure. Willie Nelson. Yeah. That long-haired country singer that rides on that awesome bus. The braided red hair, whatever he's changes. You think he smokes weed? I, I know so. I researched it. It said. Whalen, uh, that's, a, that's a problem. Whalen, no. Whalen claims Willie smoked weed. I guess I researched that. Yeah. Whalen was probably just going off on a rant. Yeah. 
What's the name of his love? No, his name is just his heart. for everyone. Isn't she sweet? So uh, Willie and Waylon team up, and they write a couple good songs like Good Hearted Woman. He's a good hearted woman. He loves you just the same. And <laughs> Mama, don't let your baby grow up to be I like that song. I like that song a lot. Waylon his second Grammy. That did it? That did it. Best country duo song artist in California. You need a love even harder to play. Uh, 1980s, Waylon has a couple more songs. He's got hits like Lucan Bach Hill City, Lucan Bach Hill and Bell City. Just a good old boy. Neener, 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 neener. With his baby face kid. I'm a bear, neener, 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 neener. Someday the Biden system but the law never fails. Making the way we've already sung the song the only the baby they know. <laughs> Just a little bit more Lucan Bach Hill. Uh, but yeah, that becomes the theme song for the TV show Dukes of Hazard. Waylon, as we discussed, was also the narrator. So was I mean, he the narrator all the way through that? I think uh, the couple last up until the reboot. No, he was the narrator, and then they got his son to do it. There were a couple the last seasons that were kind of iffy. Didn't they get the cousins in? Because it was a Cadis and Coy and Vance came in and replaced Bo and Luke. Yes. And then did Bo and Luke come back like the last couple seasons because they got the money worked out? Or I something? feel like they did. Yes. It was goofy. It was very goofy. But yes, <laughs> Cletus, Boss Hog, yeah, all the sexual innu- innuendos there. Did Did you know that guy was like? Name. Did you know that Roscoe P. Coltrane, that actor, was actually like a Shakespearean trained stage actor? <laughs> right. Like, he's like a genius. For thou house of thou winner. Yeah. You know, like that. And then he's all, hey, Shake Me. <laughs> I like that show. They literally made the Dodge Charger like a, a, a famous car because they wrecked so many of them. It's rare now. <laughs> <laughs> they did. Like, I've heard that. Yeah. I've heard that that, that mo- year, make and model, oh. is so rare because... That company was bought, or the, the production company was Winter buying everyone. Buying them up. Yep. So if you had one, there you go. But Waylon Jennings was the narrator, so you'd see this uh, orange car with the flag on top. It'd take off, and then they go to commercial, and he'd go, I don't know if they're going to make it out alive. And then that was it. <laughs> like, like He had like one or two lines. Yeah, and then you're watching a commercial for Cadillac, right. and you come back, and they make it. Now, Uncle Jesse, he's been around a while. So I don't think Roscoe P. would give him any time to play himself. <laughs> and that, you know, so he just had these one-liners. But anyway, that was the 1980s. 1984. Waylon decides to quit cocaine, cold turkey. He's like, I'm done with the nose candy. <laughs> so uh, I'm a little bit of a nerd fucker. Um, <laughs> my kids. One of the kids on my team. Is cokehead? No. <laughs> He's just sniffing and rubbing his nose the whole time. He's like, come on, coach. Hey, I got to use the bathroom. I got to go. I got to use the bathroom. I got to use the bathroom again. May you use the bathroom? No. The kid's name is the same name as the doctor on Back to the Future. Doc Brown? First name? Doc? Nope. Oh. I was like, hey, uh, 
grand big fans of Back to the Future. <laughs> and, I, and, and, and now twice. And we've only had like four games. I've gone over to the other bet and get changed lineup. And they look it down and they're writing it down in their book. Wow. Big fans of Back to the Future. <laughs> I do parents are judgy assholes. Jeez. Leave these kids alone. Nah, it's a good kid. I mean, I don't. Should be tormented. Well, same first honestly, of all, and it's 2019. Honestly, he's so young whatever. enough, and his parents are young enough where they probably don't. Don't even that know. Mo- that movie's old, man. Yeah, right. That movie's so old. Right. You know, millennials are like 38. Everything. See, my other kid, James, he's got a problem with that one. That's he does not. <laughs> Good God. Dad, I want to play first base. Ah. I'm going to catch myself. Good God. Coach Ben won't put me in the bat. Who's got the bat? <laughs> Who's going to get the bat? Somebody else does. 1.21 bases. Uh. Can I call it out? One, two, three, four. <laughs> it's only three strikes. Probably does not talk like that. <laughs> We're not even talking about a real kid anymore. Oh. We're talking about James Brown. <laughs> There's not a real kid on my team named James Brown. Christopher in the form. The Highwaymen. Hey, they had a hit with the song. Um, Highwaymen. Okay. I was gonna say <laughs> Jim. Yeah, what Jim. about Jim? Jim. Rewards tied and gave the first one I ever wrote. Yeah. Nice. Desperado's on it now. Desperado. But Desperado waiting for you. And then what was the other? Oh, the Highwaymen. The Highwaymen. Highwaymen. Highway Let me fold your old diamond down. Get a sword and by my side. That's that's a good one. They had a, a young Canadian. They had a 1990 follow-up album called The Highwaymen 2. The Highwaymen 2, did they? Yeah, didn't do as well. Yeah, I don't think I... I it was not well received. Not well received. Since stopping cocaine, Waylon smoked six packs of cigarettes a day. Well, that wasn't bad for him. No, the doctor recommended it. Oh, no, not like vaping's not bad for you today. You realize that, I think. <laughs> had, a, had an inclination to watch Gut. Yeah. So Waylon uh, keeps touring up, though, until about 1997. He even played the 96 Lollapalooza tour. Really? Yeah. That's cool. 1988, though, is he quit cigarettes for good. February 13, 2002, age 64, Waylon Jennings dies in his sleep due to cocaine poisoning. Uh, he's buried at the City of Mesa Cemetery in Mesa, Arizona. Waylon speaks into uh, the Mesa Cemetery on 11 November 1990. 
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 